guys. Welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bilotti. Hot off the presses. We have another episode on Thursday, of course. I've been really good with my Thursday upload schedule. Hope you guys are liking it slash uh, it resonates with you and all of the other things you're listening to and doing. Um, But something I did want to share because it just kind of dawned on me that, I mean, honestly, it hasn't really just dawned on me. I've noticed this by listening to other people's podcasts and whatever. Um, When I'm recording the intro to my episodes, it's not after the fact in the sense that some people record their full episode and then come back to the beginning and say, hey guys, in this episode we talk about XYZ. I'm one of those people where I just, you know, start recording and I just do it very much in chronological order um, and I edit as I go. It's one of those things where I feel like my podcast is just so different than, I mean, and I'm not one of those people that's like, I'm so different, but I just feel like I do my whole process completely different than other people. And it's just so interesting to me that, you know, you could have this similar thing that we all do, uh, or not all of us, but a lot of us have a podcast these days. It could be the same thing, but we go about it different ways. And that is the beauty of of the creative process. And that, my friends, is what we are talking about today. Um, The creative process, but not just limited to creative careers. I would just say, honestly, anything that you do that is different or sets yourself apart or that you, honestly, just anything you do can apply to this. Um, I'm going to be talking a little bit about copying today, um, how to be inspired by someone but not fully rip off their work, how to be original in a space where there are so many people doing exactly what you're doing. Doing, um, and just how to kind of find your way in whatever you are doing. Find the confidence, find the material, um, just overall navigate such a saturated world because there are so many people already doing things, you know, that are amazing. And we think, oh, is there room for me here? Like, do I even have a place here? Should I even try? That sort of thing. So we're talking about that today. So yeah, let's get into it. I was looking through my camera roll this morning because I was looking for the perfect throwback photo to post. Classically, you know, <laughs> we're going through tough times right now. I don't have the energy to dress up and take a new photo every day. And I still still feel the need to be posting because of course social media is a huge part of my job and it's a huge part of my life. I'm very passionate about it. So I was trying to find a good picture in my camera roll that would like go with my feed right now but also be relevant and whatever. So I was just going through all these pictures kind of just scrolling through the last years of my life on my camera roll and I came across some photos that I'd taken actually pretty recently. It was actually my last outing before lockdown. Um, All these photos of paint from the Met. I had gone to the Met with my friend Bianca right before this all happened. New York was still open. It wasn't, um, you know, the chaos it is now. People were still a little bit confused about what was going on and if it was really something to be taken seriously. Um, so yeah, we went to the Met <laughs> classically because everything was mayhem or starting to be mayhem. We're like, let's just go walk around some paintings and sculptures and exhibits and try to forget about everything going on. Little did we know, things would, of course, get much worse and crazier. And my friend Bianca is actually uh, working in a COVID unit right now. She's a nurse. So things did get very crazy. But in that moment, it was very serene. Things were fine. We were in the Met, just, you know, normal people. Nothing was out of the ordinary, really. I mean, 
slightly out of the ordinary, but nothing that we couldn't handle. And now things are, you know, but whatever. So back to that moment, I was looking through photos of myself just standing in front of this one painting, which is Sunflowers by Claude Monet, one of his most famous paintings. And when I was standing there in the moment with Bianca, I remember us having a conversation about the difference between Claude Monet's sunflowers and Van Gogh's sunflowers two paintings of the same thing but clearly very different interpretations and if you google it highly recommend googling it as you're listening to this or maybe later you'll see that it's clear that they had a very similar subject sunflowers in a vase but the way that they are painted is completely different the colors are different the composition is different um, for the most part the way that the flowers are one has flowers that are more dead looking or you know wilted um, anyway so yeah two completely different ways of painting the same thing and that kind of reflects overall the creative process that all of us kind of have it's like we could be doing the same thing but it's the hope that it'll be recognizable as okay this is clear what you're doing and that person next to you is doing maybe the same exact thing but the way the end result how it ultimately looks to the public is different the same but different if that makes sense so this just further kind of added to my idea of what I'm talking about today. Um, and I did actually do, of course, a little bit of digging because you guys know I can't just like let things be. I need to like Google and research and look into why things are the way they are. And I was actually kind of curious um, with the two paintings if Van Gogh and Monet ever crossed paths or knew each other because I knew they were both around in the 1800s or so, and I just was trying to figure out, you know, if they ever crossed paths or if they were ever inspired by each other or kind of even talked about each other. And the truth is that I found, or, you know, based on the internet, is uh, Van Gogh actually was was maybe not so much inspired by Monet's sunflowers, but he was inspired by the Impressionism, uh, the Impressionist, French Impressionist, ideas uh, and that's what honestly infused a lot more color into his work over time because if you see in some of his early works he really latched on to this kind of um, moody dark look and over time he learned to kind of infuse more color into his paintings and uh, adopt more rich vibrancy in his work. And for those of you who might not have the paintings right in front of you, just to kind of describe it and describe these artists kind of as a whole because they are completely different artists. Yes, they did paint on a canvas, but they are so different in their styles. Monet's sunflowers look a bit more realistic I would say um, just for the sake of not using overly painterly terms you guys will understand um, so it uses like four different colors I'd say yellow kind of a shade of orange so maybe five yellow orange green red and this neutral color in the backdrop a little bit of black um, for shadow so a bunch of different colors going on actually um, it looks more realistic it looks more full it looks completely full of life there aren't any really dead flowers going on dead leaves going on it looks very fresh whereas van gogh's sunflowers 
completely different look of them. They're in a vase, the same as Monet's sunflowers, both in a vase on a table. But Van Gogh's sunflowers, there's not so much, there's not any shadow going on. There's not really much depth to the painting. It looks pretty flat, but very cool because the flowers are, they don't all look the same, like the the same uh, sunflower going on. Honestly, some of them don't even look like sunflowers to me. There's some wilting. They're kind of all flaying in different directions and it's honestly really only comprised of yellow tones in the painting it's like three different shades of yellow a little bit of green but for the most part it's just a fully yellow canvas essentially Monet's sunflowers just look more realistic whereas Van Gogh's sunflowers look a bit more um, uncharacteristic just a little bit out there I'd say Van Gogh wrote to his brother in December of 1888 So he said one of his friends, another painter, was telling me the other day that he had seen a a picture by Claude Monet of sunflowers in a large Japanese vase. Very fine, but he likes mine better. I don't agree. This is Van Gogh saying to his brother that he doesn't agree. And then he went on to say, the painter of the future will be a colorist such has never yet existed which I thought was so interesting, another really great part of that. Um, But ultimately, he was saying that he saw this picture by Monet of sunflowers after he had already painted the sunflower. So he wasn't technically inspired by Claude Monet's painting, um, but he acknowledged that Monet did it and he actually liked Monet's rendition better than his own, which is another point that I'll make in this episode that you can be super critical of your own work, etc. And so while Van Gogh was not directly inspired by Monet's sunflower painting specifically, which I think a lot of people might think that maybe one inspired the other. That's not the case I found through researching. Van Gogh was though inspired by the way that Monet painted the colors, the French impressionist style, that sort of thing. A lot of his experiences with people like Monet's work or, you know, just other paintings similar really did encourage him to change his palette and the ways that he interpreted color and uh, just a bunch of other things. So he was inspired by Impressionist painting. He did not copy, but he was inspired. And so I thought that was a really interesting kind of way of viewing this. And his admiration for Monet was genuine. I was reading a lot about it and about the way that he interpreted Monet's still life painting specifically. And it's clear that Van Gogh did admire Monet and you know, certain elements of his future work was inspired by Monet and others. I thought that was cool uh, because if you look at these two paintings, the sunflower paintings, even though I know it's clear now that he didn't really know that Monet had made these paintings or this, maybe he knew he was up to it. I don't really know. Of course, I'm not there in the 1800s, but you know, if you look at these two paintings, there are so many clear differences between them. They are both completely different despite potentially or being inspired by the same thing, aka flowers on a table. And so I've kind of realized through this story, through just other things, that truly in life, in creating anything, even if it's not something really creative in nature of it, if it's just really anything like a Word document, I don't know, a an Excel sheet, uh, just a way of presenting something to a client or just in any way, shape or form in anything that you're making in any field, it isn't a one size fits all. If it was, there would be a whole lot less companies out there. There'd be a whole lot less individuals claiming to be something like, you know, we would only really need one painter if everyone was going to paint the same way. Uh, So I, I just think inspiration is important, but you have to be careful that you don't fully counterfeit 
someone's life. So you can be inspired by someone and me kind of sitting here as a creator, I hope to inspire other people. Do I want people to copy my work? No, but do I want them to look and think critically about my work and think about how they can adopt certain parts of it? Yeah, I love that. Um, so yeah, it's it's a fine line. It's a slippery slope. So I want to talk about that today. Um, just kind of stemming from this story of the sunflowers or just of the painters in general and how you can be inspired by someone and really admire them and yet still produce something that is uniquely yours and different. The beauty of being human and all of us having these similar yet different brains and it's just kind of astonishing that all of us, you know, however many, seven billion people in the world, is that how many we have now, uh, could all look at something and see something different. It's just so crazy when you really think about it that we could all be standing in front of something and notice different parts of it or attribute it to something because we all have different experiences. We've all lived life differently, even if it's only slightly differently, if that makes sense. Um, And so we should not try to, I mean, that's a beautiful thing. We should not try to run away from that and be like everyone else. I know it's a simple concept that we all kind of talk about, you know, be yourself, don't be like someone else because you aren't someone else, you are you. But it's hard for people to grasp that, especially when other people are out there killing it and doing things, quote, the right way or things that we really wish we could do. We, of course, want to be like those people and we take it a little too far. But truly, I mean, going back to the idea of looking at something and seeing different things because we are all different people, I mean, the way that you see something is not going to be the way that someone else sees it. And that is where the beauty lies. We should really, really hang on to that, okay? And I want to tell a little story about a Swedish warship. Um, This might be feeling a little out of left field because of the story about the paintings and everything, but I promise something good comes from it. I read this story the other day about Vasa, uh, which is a Swedish warship. It sunk approximately 20 minutes into her maiden voyage, so sad, in 1628. And it is the only 17th century warship to have been recovered, or I think just ship in general, to have been recovered completely intact. And it's so interesting that it was discovered completely intact, given how it was built. And I'll tell you guys how it was built. So basically, the king of Sweden ordered the construction of the ship to help his quest for military expansion. The Vasa was built at a navy yard in Stockholm, Sweden from 1626 to 1627. On August 10th, 1628, so the following year, the Vasa departed on her maiden voyage only to, like I said, sink after being hit by just two gusts of wind 20 minutes into her maiden voyage. Turns out that the ship was built asymmetrically. Archaeologists have since discovered four rulers used by the builders of the ship, like physical rulers, like to measure things. Two of them were based on Swedish feet, which have 12 inches or had, I don't know if they still do, maybe they do, I'm assuming that's how we have it, of course. Um, The other two used Amsterdam feet, which had 11 inches. So 12 versus 11 inches, that is problematic, of course, if some guy tells you to, you know, make something four four inches thick, his four inches is not going to be the same as the other guy's four inches. It's kind of like how 5'10 to me is six feet to some guys on hinge. 
Mm, peculiar. Some people just see height differently. <laughs> but really, guys have to stop lying about their heights on dating apps. It's driving me up the wall, but not related to this. Okay. <laughs> and I was kind of imagining it like, you know, one set of guys, the the Swedish guys were on one side of the ship, the Amsterdam guys were on the other side of the ship, and they were building just slightly off, you know, from each other. Um, and you can see those variations in the timbers, said the archaeologists that looked into it. When it was recovered in 1961, marine archaeologists discovered the remains of 15 people, thousands of artifacts such as coins, cutlery, cannons, clothing, food, drinks, weapons, etc. But it was an absolute unit, like it was massive, this ship. But it was built asymmetrically, and that probably contributed to why it sunk, maybe, but also it's just remarkable that it was recovered completely intact despite being built with two different measurement tactics i guess or two different rulers guys two completely different rulers and the reason why i'm sharing this story or why i feel like it kind of relates to this is you know <laughs> like i said i mean this guy could have or the person directing the building of the ship could have said hey guys like four inches thick whatever and two different people would see four inches thick as different things like completely different okay like one inch is a huge difference in the grand scheme of building something like it really does make a difference that you would know if you kind of miscalculate like I've done it before where I've measured a space to bring in a piece of furniture or something and I mismeasure it by a couple inches or something or I just kind of eyeball it and just that few little inches or just those few little inches makes a huge difference it could make you know something just completely not fit in a space and you have to reorder it and all that jazz so it, may, it makes a big difference and it's something where, you know, my interpretation of something could be different than someone else and someone else's and it really could ultimately affect how we work and how we create something. And I think that, I mean, of course, this is a different example because it would have been nice to probably have two people using the same ruler, you know. I think we should, like I said, latch on to our differences and those little quirks that we notice and things that we see that other people don't. A lot of times we try to train ourselves out of that and see things a more understanding way or just a way that people can get and wrap their heads around. I've definitely found myself censoring myself over the years slash just kind of trying to box myself into one way of thinking and one way of creating in hopes that people will get it you know, just trying trying to avoid upsetting people or offending people or confusing people because sometimes someone can look at something and think, oh, I don't really get that, you know, and I can fully get it, but they don't get it. I mean, I feel like this also kind of applies to the music industry, you know, people will put out a song and you'll be like, I hate that song and then it'll grow on you. Have you noticed that sometimes when a song is released and you're like, oh, I don't know how I feel about that. And then over time, you're like, wait, I actually am kind of growing to love this thing that I hated at first. Like that's kind of how I, I, I strive to be as a creator. Like I almost want to kind of upset people a little bit or not upset. That's the wrong word, but just kind of throw people off and have it be something that isn't just so black and white and so like here is just like this thing that anyone could have done you know anyway that's a whole different topic but basically I want to of course dive a little bit into psychology to describe just the idea of comparison because I think it's a huge element of this topic of uh, copying slash being inspired and just the whole thing surrounding that because I think when you copy someone when you directly just take someone's work and rip it off basically which 
I, I'd argue is almost all the time intentional. I feel like sometimes you can kind of graze it a little bit intention or unintentionally and not know you're doing it. But whatever, that's, I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. But basically, I think a lot of that stems from when you're copying someone, it stems from a lack of compet- competence, competence, confidence. It stems from a lack of confidence on your side um, or on their side, whoever's doing the copying. I think they have a lack of confidence in themselves and they don't really think that uh, they can produce something that will be as good as what was already created and that they can just kind of take it, spin it a little bit differently, change maybe one or two things and present it as their own. So I want to talk a little bit about social comparison theory, which I think really has a lot to do with this and has a lot to do with, you know, when you have a lack of confidence, you of course compare yourself to someone else and a lot of it is done socially and it translates to our professional work and just what we're actually doing. And so social comparison theory was first put out in 1954 by psychologist Leon Festinger, who hypothesized that we make our comparisons as a way of evaluating ourselves And reading this sentence just really changed the game for me because I never really thought about it as, I mean, of course, when we compare ourselves, it comes from a lack of confidence in ourselves and the way we're doing things, but I never really thought about it as a way of evaluating ourselves. You know, at its root, the impulse is connected to the instant judgments that we make of other people. A key element, I'm now reading um, his words, a key element of the brain's social cognition network that can be traced to the evolutionary need to protect oneself and assess threats. So it kind of goes back to the evolutionary times of, you know, kind of sizing up other people. You know, when you're comparing yourself to someone else, you are sizing up whether or not you are capable of surviving over them. Like that, it kind of goes back to the hunter-gatherers. I feel like I'm always talking about the darn hunter-gatherers, but you know. So if you're walking down the street and a super fit person jogs by you, you might instantly assess that, okay, that person's running, I'm out of shape. You know, it becomes a direct comparison and evaluation of yourself. It's an interesting way of thinking because you don't really limit your thought of what you're seeing with your two eyes. You're seeing, of course, this person running, but you don't limit your thought to this person is running. You know, that's the only thing that's visually apparent, but you take it further than what is physically in front of you. You see what you're not you kind of invent something you know you invent something that isn't there I guess or it is but it's not just something at face value anymore it's a direct correlation to you and it becomes about you and I think this comparison directly correlates to the way you produce work and how you are either ripping someone off because it kind of reflects a lack of confidence or something. Um, I think it all really relates. And this social comparison theory is why a lot of us just resort to copying someone or to taking inspiration a bit too far. And so I want to talk about how you can take inspiration too far or how to not take it too far. And I think, you know, when we compare ourselves, I found that we do so in very black and white extreme terms. One of you guys actually mentioned to me in a message that you think that we should figure out our own shades of gray in life and I agree with that so wholeheartedly you know it's not that person is living the right way and I'm living the wrong way it's not that black and white okay or if that person is creating something this way and it's the right way and I'm creating things the wrong way or the safe way or you know it's never really one word to describe the way that you are doing something it's not that black and white it's not that simple okay 
it's maybe they're living in a way that is beautiful on screen and on my social media feed uh, but might be crumbling behind the scenes or only sometimes as it appears to be and on the other side you know I'm living in a way where I'm not fully happy with everything going on but I'm also proud of myself or working hard and trying to get there like it really does take that many words to describe what is actually going on we see it though in black and white we don't see it in these beautiful shades of gray and shades of color and I think when we think I think when we think I think when we think in black and white terms it can be so easy to think that we need I'm saying think a lot oh my god <laughs> that we need to jump in someone else's camp and kind of assume their style and their way of doing things because we think there it is again we assume that their way is the right way and our way is the wrong way we see it way too black and white it is not like that and truly guys it is a slippery slope when you think of it this way when you try to be like someone else because even if you're just kind of doing it in small doses kind of just glancing at this person's feed and you know it becomes, it's a very gray area, slippery slope. And I want to talk about this from a couple of different perspectives because I actually, like I said in the beginning, I talked to some creative friends of mine, some creator friends of mine who do different things, and we kind of all had different yet similar opinions on this Um, because, guys, we're taught in school and the ways that we are ever taught how to do anything we're taught to just kind of do it like someone else you know create things like keyword like other people in school we're learning the words you know I'm thinking even like you know I was in a Shakespeare class we were learning how to how to write like Shakespeare and how to create art like so and so and how to calculate numbers like so and so and see we are always taught to be inspired by someone and to honestly sometimes even duplicate what that person has done but what do we do if we find that we've full-on kind of adopted that in our lives post-grad and after we've learned like what if we just never stop and we continue plagiarizing uh, without the educational backing of it with so much out there especially in the creative realm how do we make something that is truly ours and so I've asked a bunch of people and I want to read what one of my friends said I'm going to leave their identities uh, anonymous but they are amazing people in their fields with a lot of experience so my one friend that is a designer said quote I am pretty much in the school of thought that nothing is truly original we build off of things that we've seen to make our own ideas and it's sort of impossible not to it's something that used to terrify me But I think about how if you were to see something and search for that specific thing online, a million things would pop up. Generally, when I'm looking for inspiration, I try to look at a broad range of things I like instead of focusing on just one cool thing that I saw. That's my best tip to avoid completely copying someone. I also think when someone is learning, copying is a good way to develop skills. I also saw somewhere that a huge majority of creatives have actually abandoned a piece of their work out of fear of copyright infringement, which is a tragedy. There's definitely a line, like straight up replicating and saying something is yours is wrong, but I think in design, it's a pretty tough line to cross. You have to be pretty blatant in selling something like that. Um, She also provided this amazing quote saying, quote, I stand on the shoulders of giants. That's something she's read recently. And she said, you're creating your thing because someone else gave you those tools or the inspiration, the experience. You didn't just come up with it out of thin air. Something inspired it, even if it isn't something in your industry, which I think, I mean, that's actually my thought that I tacked on the end of that. But I agree with that. Um, I agree with many things that she said. Um, I think that 
you know, like she said, um, copying is a great way to develop your skills, but I think you can copy someone or what I, what I say is I think you can look at someone's work and try to backtrack and figure out how they did it, play around Photoshop, play around somewhere and just try to do some of the things that they did and not put it anywhere. Okay. Just do it on your own terms and copy what they're doing just to get a feel for it and not put it somewhere and say, this was made by me. There is a difference between copying someone's work and then copying someone's work and putting it somewhere. I think that is where the line is, in my opinion. Like, I would not mind as a creative person if someone took something that I was making or something I put out there as mine and took it upon themselves to figure out how I did it and to create it on their own terms, like pull it into Procreate and sketch or trace what I was doing. Like, I think that's okay from a me perspective. I mean, of course, everyone feels differently. Um, As long as they don't then put it somewhere and say, this is my original piece, you know? And I think I actually love when I see creators put out work and say, this was inspired by X and attribute you know who they were inspired by I have nothing wrong with or I see nothing wrong with that because ultimately they are saying this is something that isn't completely mine I took pieces of this but even when you do create something that is completely yours to to my friend's point um it isn't truly yours you are inspired by something even if you don't know you are you've seen something in nature you've seen something or heard something in a song that prompted you to do something. You had a really cool professor in college that pushed you to do something. You do truly stand on the shoulders of giants. Like my friend said, you are creating that because someone else gave you something, okay? Even if it isn't like just a key to, here is exactly how I made this. You got something from that person or from someone else. Um, But I think my personal, I'm going to share some more tips for my friends, but personally, just taking a side note here, I think you really just have to take note, okay? When you're creating something, when you're doing anything, writing something, I don't know, anything that you're doing, (laughs) take note of how much time you spend referencing other people's work or glancing at someone else's page, looking at Pinterest, whatever, and how much time you are spending creating that thing or creating the thing that you're making that's kind of based on free-flowing thought from your mind. Like how much time are you doodling from your own brain power or just kind of not having any other any other tabs open and you're just doing playing around in Photoshop at your own merit and not looking at someone else's work you know because you can spend time of course mood boarding I love mood boarding I am a huge believer in mood boarding and looking at Pinterest and looking at um, my saved folder on Instagram of things I've saved to look at later and feel inspired by but I make a point of having that take up the least amount of time of my creative process and not having it pulled up next to what I'm making, you know, because then it's so tempting. Even if you have good intentions, it's so tempting to copy that thing. And my friend uh, who is a calligrapher gave me some learnings about this as well. She actually, we've talked before about how people have full-on copied this friend of mine who's an amazing calligrapher um, and have posted even like down to the colors on the feed in terms of like this certain I don't want to get too specific here um, but just it was a clear knockoff of her work Um, and in calligraphy it's really easy I think to get very caught up in someone else's style and adopt it completely and not have a unique piece it because ultimately at the the end of the day the words that we're kind of writing in calligraphy are all 
kind of the same sometimes. I mean, you could be writing save the dates for someone for a, a wedding or, or, you know, writing someone's name. And even though we're writing the same name, it should look different, you know, because that's the reason why there's so many calligraphers in the world and not just one calligrapher, you know, you should not have, even if you're in the same, you know, style or family, like modern calligraphy, it should look different. Anyway, so I'm going to read what she said. She basically said her motto is usually eyes on your own paper. She said she doesn't follow a lot of calligraphers on Instagram. She follows lots of artists in general and tangentially, it's a big word, related things to get inspired, but nothing directly in the same space as my own. I really try to come up with a draft of my own projects in my own or on my own without gathering too much information from outside places first. It's for the same reason I never encourage tracing alphabets to learn lettering, which I think is really interesting. I've actually noticed this about her um, because you'll notice a lot of calligraphers or people that are teaching lettering of any sort give you a an alphabet to copy. And that is the way that you learn. And I will say I've actually watched some tutorials on YouTube where, you know, they kind of walk us through letters and just the different uh, strokes and things. And I found them helpful, but I still have just taken it upon myself to stray away from that and find my own rhythm because there is no right or wrong in in anything, really. I mean, people will argue there is, but there really isn't, okay? You just, you find your own thing. You're finding your your own groove, your own style in anything you're doing. But she basically said, she said, I think developing style and voice just takes time and practice to refine it. And if you keep at it, your own unique blend will develop naturally. And if you're true to that, no one can, no one can copy it. Someone will always be able to trace it, but they could never come up with it on their own. And I loved that sentiment. I truly think, guys, that like I said earlier in the episode, no one sees things quite like you do, even if they see it too. So guys, taking a quick break in this episode to introduce a sponsor that I really genuinely think will help so many of you guys, pun intended, because they are called BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness? Ask yourself that right now or preventing you from achieving your goals. For me, I think there's a lot that is kind of interfering with my groove right now, a lot of differences thrown into my day-to-day, and I've found that it's been so beneficial to just talk to someone about it that doesn't know me that is a licensed professional therapist and just gives me unbiased advice and their service basically assesses your needs and matches you with your own licensed professional therapist to help you through what you're going through and it's not a crisis line it's not self-help it's professional counseling done securely online the service is available worldwide you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor you'll get timely and thoughtful responses plus you can schedule weekly video calls or phone sessions and using BetterHelp is actually more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available for those who need it. They just want you to start living a happier life today. If you're going through a rough patch, you should be able to talk to someone who can listen to you, even just to listen and offer you some valuable advice on how to get through something. So check out BetterHelp. All you have to do is go to BetterHelp, that's better, H-E-L-P, P as in Perry, dot com slash thick thin and my listeners will get 10% off of their first month so visit betterhelp.com slash thick thin and join the over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of experienced professionals and thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of thick and thin okay even if they see that thing that you're looking at and they are looking at it in the same standing in the same spot on the earth looking at it you will never get the same result 
from that person to you. Like even one stroke will be different, okay? And that still sets it apart. And so I I just love those two sentiments. I had some other friends contribute some thoughts that were very similar in the sense of people tend to copy things when they just have a lack of confidence in themselves. And what I say to that in terms of people that have resorted or resorted to copying and feel a little bit bad about it or just they know in their hearts that they're doing it and it tears them up inside that they feel they have to do that because I tr- I truly do think people are good at heart. I do. Um, to quote Anne Frank, she said that um, way back. But it's true. I think people come with good intentions for the most part but they just kind of give up on themselves. And I think that in the creative sphere, kind of going back to what my calligrapher friend says, if you keep at it, your your unique blend will develop, okay? And you won't be an overnight success. I've talked about this before. You have to have the courage or find the courage within yourself to mess, to mess up and to potentially enter into a new territory that might not work out right away, okay? And you might produce, and you will produce probably, a lot of shitty first drafts of things. If you guys have ever read shitty first drafts, I'm, that's a, um, I don't know if it's like a, an article, it would be classified as an article, but I actually read it in a couple of my different college classes along the way. Shitty first drafts, amazing. I don't know who wrote it. I need to look that up, but Google it, you'll find it. Um, basically, you have to you have to be okay with not being good at first, okay? And I want to read this other quote that really resonated with me um, from this. Uh, oh, it's by Joanna Gaines. Love her, Magnolia. Um, Magnolia, is that what it's called? Magnolia at home or whatever. My mom has the book. We love her. We love um, HGTV. So um, this quote by Joanna Gaines that someone else posted on social, I thought they had written it, but I guess not. It's Joanna Gaines' quote. But she said, quote, so basically I think the actual misconception is that we need to be asking the question, what is my life purpose? You'll notice a lot of people ask, you know, okay, what is your life purpose or what do you see yourself doing in five years, X, Y, Z? She says, if you ask it that way, it's kind of crippling. Instead, we should ask, what is my purpose for today? And I love that quote so much for so many different reasons. There's a lot of pressure out there. There's a lot of pressure, pressure, (laughs) pressure, a lot of pressure to, uh, you ever say a word a bunch of times and it doesn't sound like it supposed to um there's a lot of pressure out there to be a certain kind of creator and honestly I look at my work every day I look at my feed and I think oh if only I was more like this person and then I remember and realize like first of all geographically I'm in a different place than them Uh, age-wise I'm in a different place than them there's so many factors that sets me apart from that person why should I be the same as them and it kind of goes back to the running the person running analogy that I was saying earlier as far as social comparison theory it's I directly am criticizing myself based on this other person that is completely separate from me okay that person a lot of times they don't even know I exist and yet I am judging myself making a generalization and an assumption about myself, which is just so unfair. I mean, yes, you, you should compare yourself. I mean, that evolutionarily is how we've progressed as a human race, is comparing ourselves to other people and making sure that we are staying up with the uh, with the pack and, you know, staying with the group and up to par. And that's how we've survived um, this long as a human race. But it still is important to see the beauty in going your own way and being different and 
maybe comparing yourself but not letting it dictate your work and your life to a T. Um, yeah, but there's a lot of pressure, going back to that word that I'm really struggling to say, um, to to perform. And sometimes we just, guys, we run out of ideas, okay? Creative people, we can get to the point where we hit a wall and we don't know what to do this week. We don't know what to put out. We don't know. Like I've had episodes in the podcast where I'm like, hey guys, I don't know what I'm going to talk about today. I have no idea what I'm doing. And that's okay. We need more people to admit that, I think, because we all just look at each other and think that there's no shortage of creative ideas in other people's lives when in actuality we all hit a wall at some point we all have points in our life where we are like I don't freaking know what's going on and I don't know what I'm gonna do tomorrow and it's okay um so yeah I want to read something else that I saw on social today actually that I just wanted to tack onto this because it's such an interesting idea so um it was created by Kindle and Kindred. That's a, a graphic designer that I follow. Um, and it says, or it's kind of a, a grid format, but it says, gentle reminders for creatives. I want to read that um, right now. You guys know I love my quote, it's okay phrase. I literally have an it's okay sign above my bed in New York. Um, and here's how it goes. It says, it's okay to not feel inspired. It's okay if you aren't working on your business right now. It's okay if you're working another job. It's okay not to show up on social media for a while. It's okay if you don't have a morning routine. It's okay if you're still learning and unlearning. It's okay if it doesn't feel worth it some days. It's okay if you can't afford professional branding, photography, copywriting, design. It's okay to not answer emails immediately. It's okay to change your mind. It's okay to not want to share your story. It's okay if you don't want to make anything for a little while. It's okay if you don't have a degree. It's okay if you do. It's okay to talk about and want money. It's okay to feel lonely when friends and family don't understand what you do. It's okay to say no. It's okay to just be. Freaking love that. I want to scream it on the rooftops, especially now. There's so much, again, the word pressure in the world to perform, you know, to be able to be that resilient person that can still create unique things, although we are all kind of shuttered in our homes right now kind of with a lack of things going on to be inspired about okay like there's no reason to be to be hard on yourself right now over not having a lot to be inspired about because the world is I mean some people work best under pressure under this kind of environment of having uncertainty and pain and fear circulating at such a high rate people some people are so good with that some people are so not I feel like for me it depends on the day Uh, with whether or not I'm going to be okay with it but you know even if you are feeling these feelings of not being inspired not feeling like you're enough feeling like you have a lack of confidence in your work that does not mean you should resort to stealing someone else's work okay and so I just want to say that because I think you know there's that quote that imitation is the sincerest form of flattery and yeah it is but uh, the flattery won't really help the person that's getting ripped off, you know? And anyone out there, you know, a lot of you guys probably know what it feels like to have someone kind of be so inspired by you to the point where it gets out of hand. Or maybe you've done it yourself. You know, okay? Um, and I want to say that just kind of point blank because, of course, I have kind of veered away from it in this episode and said, you know, of course you should, you know, nothing is completely original, but that being said, you know, make a point of trying to deviate from other people's style because uh, one of my photographer friends, actually, she just um, DM me this morning about it saying that, 
you know, if I wanted to, uh, basically just going back to my point of why would I want to duplicate someone else, okay? Like, of course, yeah, it's maybe not right, but why would I even want to do that? Because that would mean I'm just putting something else out into the world that, or something out into the world that already exists. So what's the point, okay? That thing already is out there, so why do I need to waste my energy making the same thing over again? That just doesn't make sense, okay? And I don't know. I think that truly just kind of going back to what I was just reading about the gentle reminders for creatives, it's okay if you just want to take some time and refresh or just kind of creatively take a little hiatus. I think so many creators are scared of that. They think that it's kind of like putting up their white flag of surrender and that uh, they're kind of exhausted creatively and they'll never come back from it. When in actuality, I think taking hiatuses, hiatus, is that the plural of that? are so essential for growth. So if you feel like, you know, even honestly within yourself, you've been kind of gravitating towards stealing other people's work, it could just mean that you're exhausted creatively or exhausted just in any way of saying the word exhausted. So take it upon yourself to take a step back, okay? And just kind of appreciate maybe nature for a few days or something. Uh, And you'll be surprised how you'll find inspiration in new ways. And I think um, just some other little points I want to rattle off at the end here of this episode, going back to my calligrapher friend's point, uh, what I've actually started to do is separate the people I'm following. So I've I've only followed design accounts, um, or I'm going to try to do this. This is something new I'm trying to do. Maybe we'll roll this out soon. It actually will take some time to unfollow and refollow people. But I want to start to do this thing where I'm only following design accounts on my design account. And my personal account, I won't be just, you know, on Instagram being flooded with other people's ideas that are potentially maybe better than mine, in my opinion. And I'm not, I mean, of course, it is important to be stimulated by and see other people have, you know, not have your blinders on and not be able to see what's going on outside of you. It's important to have that visibility, but it's also kind of blinding sometimes. So you need to have a time and place for it. So when I'm logged into my design account, I can see that stuff. But when I'm on my personal, I'll only see, you know, my friends and other influencers, not in my design space, or, you know, maybe even I've actually done a mass unfollowing spree during this this time and a muting spree where the people that I look at and I'm not inspired by, or maybe not inspired is the wrong, it's kind of harsh, but, you know, that I look at and either make me feel really inadequate, really anxious, really less than, I unfollow them or what I've been doing to some of my friends. I mean, honestly, I'm being honest with you guys here. I've done it to some of my friends or people that I'm friendly with online. Let's just say that. Um, I'll mute them for a bit and maybe I can unmute them, but they won't see that I've unfollowed them, which is so harsh and people take that as a total slap in the face, you know? Um, So if you're afraid to do that, but it's still toxic in your life, mute them, okay? It'll probably be one of the best things you've done. Um, So yeah, that is my podcast on kind of the difference between inspiration and copying, how to strike a balance, how to feel confident in your work, even if you aren't so confident. I think it just comes down to guys. One last thing I'm going to say is you are your own biggest critic always okay and there comes a time when being too critical with yourself will really limit your potential and it will really just kind of hold you back from creating something that could potentially inspire other people to start doing what you're doing okay and you can't let your fear going to my other friend's point you can't let your fear of copying someone 
completely uh, just cut off a project you're working on or, you know, find a different way around it, okay? If you feel like this one font you're using or this one way of writing is too much like someone else's, put your own spin on it, fix it, make it, make it yours, okay? Uh, without completely destroying what you're doing because that thing is important for you to put out there, but put your, your own spin on it, okay? We all are different and so you have something. It could just be really deep in there, deep in your soul and you need to kind of unlearn everyone else's way of doing things to get to it but it's there I promise you and it's important to get to that okay get to that part of you and really make it yours and make it something that you put out there in the world because people do need it people need inspiration especially right now um so yeah those are my two cents, probably more than two cents, my 45 minutes worth of cents. Um, and I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Thank you for listening to me. Um, love you guys. Uh, stay tuned until next week's episode. I don't know what I'm going to talk about, but it'll probably also be good. So stay tuned. <laughs> Bye guys. Bye.